to talk about. And uh, when Doug came up to me and said, hey, we're doing this whole series on marriage, and one of them is on divorce, and seeing as you're somebody who's gone through divorce, what do you think about taking the divorce, healing from divorce sermon? And I thought to myself, well, I'm excited and terrified at the same time. Like, I'm excited for the opportunity to help other people that are struggling through something that severe. But I'm also terrified because it's something so personal, right? For me to talk about divorce being somebody who's gone through divorce, it's tough. And before we go into the scripture and before we talk about how to help each other through divorce or how to help friends that are facing divorce and things like that, I think it'd be good for us to just admit it. Divorce is ugly, right? It's hard to paint it in any other way. Even the best of divorces, and I heard a radio uh, program this week that was talking about good divorces, which cracked me up. Um, Even the best divorces are ugly things. Now, that doesn't mean that they're not necessary sometimes or that they're always preventable because I don't believe that they're always preventable. I think they're always preventable if you have two people who really are trusting in God and following his commands and serving each other like we're supposed to serve God, then they're preventable. Otherwise, it's a whole different ballgame. So before we start, let's just spend a little time in prayer because this is a tough subject and I know it's personal to a lot of us and it carries a lot of of weight and angst and baggage. So let's pray. Lord God, we know that you are the creator of our soul. You are the definer of our existence, God. And you are the healer. And God, when we're faced with an unexpected disease, when we're faced with a medical condition out of nowhere, when we're faced with life trauma, God, when we're faced with divorce or loss or death or abuse, God, you really are the only person that we can turn to. You are the only one with pure motives that loves us intensely and deeply, and I'm so thankful for that, God. Today, as we talk about divorce, God, and and being there for each other, please speak to us, God. Don't let it be just another Sunday morning. Please speak to us about how we can heal in life, how we can be secure in you, and how we can help each other as we face small and big things in life. God, we just hang on to you. Amen. Life Hurts, God Heals is a book that was put out by the youth pastor at uh, Saddleback Church, so I stole his logo because I love that. Life Hurts, God Heals. True, right? Healing from divorce. I want to read you a story. This is from a gal named Becky, and uh, as I was preparing for this message, I looked up a lot of stories about divorce through Christian websites about coping, and... uh, I think you'll resonate with this. I hadn't expected Saturday, April 7th, 1984 to be extraordinary or different, but it really was. That was the day my marriage died. After discovering that our marriage covenant was broken and that my husband wanted out of our union, I started crying that day and I didn't stop for a very long, long time. Ambushed by grief, I kept telling myself I must get on with my life, but how? How could I go shopping when I couldn't remember where the store that I wanted to go to was located? How could I choose a birthday present when my ability to concentrate had disappeared? Friends and family tried to help, but I sank deeper daily into hurt and depression. No one seemed to understand the deep, aching sorrow that I experienced. My church friends kindly tried to comfort me, but at the end of the day, they returned home to a nice, cozy family. How could they comprehend the loneliness that I was living. As life seemed to keep on revolving perfectly for everybody else, I toppled through the next few months, making one mistake after the other in an effort to simply survive and get through the next day. Reading Philippians 4, 6 through 7 became my lifeline. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. In that prayer that I laid at his feet, every tear, anxiety, dread, and exasperation that I carried, I clung to the belief that this too shall pass. In my Bible, I'd written many times, Oh God, when will this pain be over and a purpose clear? I want to take a poll. How many, if you have gone through a divorce or your parents have been divorced at some point in your lifetime, put your hand in the air for me and keep it up there. 
okay? If you have been through a divorce or if your parents have been divorced. Now, keep it up. And if you have had a sibling or a close friend that has gone through divorce, add your hand to us, please. Okay, now look around the room. How about a coworker? Right? Okay, you can put your hands down. We don't have to keep exercising in here. We've all been touched by divorce, some of us more closely than others. My story of divorce is, is probably way different from anybody in this room. Everybody has a different story about what divorce looks like. Sometimes it's super ugly, and it's out in the public, and everybody knows what's going on. And sometimes it's real hidden and quiet, and you just find out that somebody went through a divorce. You're like, oh, wow, I had no idea. Divorce can look all sorts of different ways. You could be the person who left a relationship, or you could be the person that was left behind in a relationship. You might be a victim, or you might have caused a victim. Maybe you decided together to part ways. The stories are endless. There's abuse, there's neglect, there's adultery. Any way you look at it, divorce is is the destruction, the tearing apart, like Doug was sharing the other day about how marriage is like this. And tearing it apart hurts. Have you ever put two strips of duct tape together on accident and tried to, uh, tried to separate them? <laughs> I thought about bringing some up here, but I didn't want to look like a total weakling in front of you guys as I struggled to pull the duct tape apart. When you try to pull those two strips of duct tape apart, something happens to both of those pieces of duct tape. They end up carrying parts of the other piece of duct tape when you rip it apart. Divorce changes us forever. And we got to just lay that out on the table. Divorce changes the people involved forever. And it affects everybody around you too. It kind of ripples out like a rock that you throw into a lake, right? We're all affected by it and it does change things. Now that's not to say your life can't be amazing and even better with God following divorce. But it fundamentally affects us all. If you've walked alongside of a friend or a sibling or a coworker who's gone through divorce, you know that divorce has different kinds of pain involved too. There's that sharp ache, that break that's huge, and then there's also that dull, aching sorrow and loneliness that follows, that, that facing of this has happened in my life and I don't want it to be. Now, in my life, I got married young. I uh, was at college and had a plan for my life and thought, I'm going to go and be a music teacher. I'm going to go and study and do that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to meet a gal. She's going to be a Christian too. We're going to be excited about life. We're going to start a family. All that kind of, I had it all laid out. But the problem was I didn't bother to ask God to lay it out for me. Have you ever done that before? Where instead of asking God, God, should I do blank or blank? It's more like you say, God, this is my plan. Will you just stamp it and endorse it? That's what I did. That's what I carried into my marriage, my first marriage. Got married young. Uh, her name was Tracy. Tracy and I got married young. Um, we didn't have an idea what we were getting into. We had all the, the dreams in mind of what a marriage looked like. For me, it was this plan that I had put together. For her, it was more kind of an escape from her past and her family because she'd had a real rough family and, and upbringing. And so I know, especially through some of our conversations early on, that, that for her, it was an escape in a way as well. And so neither one of us came into the marriage in the right place. You know what I'm saying? We both believed in God. Um, but neither one of us was really living out faith in God's plan and really looking for him to lead. And as we were married for a year, that first year, we went through all the normal stuff newlyweds do, you know, different expectations and figuring out how people communicate and everything. And we had the ups and downs and everything in between, as you can imagine. A towel should go here. Oh, okay, I should pick up my towel off the floor. That makes sense. Things like that. Um, And then arguments at times or discussions about different views on finances, different views on what we should do. Um, And we went through a hard financial time and and ended up at a place where I was working nights while going to school full-time, and she was working days. And so we're on opposite schedules, which didn't help at all either, as you can imagine, and didn't see each other uh, much at all. Going into the second year of our marriage, we felt very disconnected. And to me, I thought it was just because we, you know, we were working opposite schedules, and eventually we'd get to the place where we, we felt close again. But that never happened. One day, out of the blue, to me, uh, Tracy told me, she says, I, I want a separation. I'm not in love with you anymore. I'm not sure that I ever was. 
I think I was in love with the dream, the idea of marriage. And I don't want a part of this anymore. And I just remember in that moment, my heart just imploded. Just, what? I could not believe, I, could, I don't think I even had any words to say in response for a while. Because I couldn't, I couldn't even think of what to say. It, it so blindsided me. Yeah, I knew, that, I knew that we had struggles like every other relationship. And I knew that I felt far away from her. But I didn't know that it was there. And it hit hard. And so we separated for a while, and I prayed like crazy, as you can imagine. My faith got a lot stronger all of a sudden, which is interesting. Um, Instead of looking for God's guidance going into the marriage, now that it was crumbling, I was really wanting God's help. And I'm thankful God doesn't judge us in that situation, but he still comes alongside us. And he did. He came alongside me, but it was hard. And then when she finally did file papers and all that, that was just one more blow where I had to get, okay, I'm divorced. Regardless of my desire, I'm divorced. I, you know, I, I tried to talk her into premarital counseling to come with me, and, and we did one session that, or not premarital, sorry, postmarital, I guess, trying to avoid divorce. Uh, we went to one session, and it was no help. It was already over. And uh, it was interesting. I even remember when she had walked out of the session, and I'm still sitting in the room, and the counselor looks at me and says, you're getting divorced, so you need to figure out what to do. <laughs> and that moment for me was like, oh, th- this counselor that I went to for help is telling me it's over. I need to face it, it's over. And I don't know if your story, the story of the person that you know, is similar to that or not. But for me, that's the moment where I knew it was done. And then progressively it got worse because as I moved out on my own, Um, I moved in with my parents for a short while, got a job, stopped college, all that kind of stuff, tried to put the pieces back together slowly. Um, It was hard. It took a long time. And I I can remember also finding things out later on about infidelity and stuff that had happened in the marriage that I was unaware of. Um, Then it was like another blow later. And uh, I remember at each one of those steps... It was like another crisis all over again where I had to go, ah, this is happening. And I had to turn to God. And I'll be honest, I was yelling at God at times. I was angry at him. And I was saying, God, why? Have you been there before? When something in life has happened? This sermon isn't just about divorce. You'll catch on to that real quick. Anytime we go through massive life trauma or hard things, we want to ask God why. And I truly believe, having learned going through it myself, that God is very comfortable with that question. We feel bad bringing it to him sometimes when we think about it. But God is really okay with us coming to him, crying out. And things like those psalms that you read make a lot more sense when you think about that. Because there's a lot of psalms where the writer is saying, God, where are you? Why have you left me? Our God is bigger and he can handle that. Could you throw up the next slide for us? This is a passage from Psalm 107, verses 19 through 22. Would you read it aloud with me? Let's, let's interact. Ready? Lord, help, they cried in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word, and he healed them, snatching them from the door of death. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. Let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and sing joyfully about his glorious acts. Now, when you're in the moment, when everything falls apart, That's crazy hard to do. But I can tell you in all honesty that I am at a place now where looking back, am I glad that I went through some of that pain? No, I wouldn't choose to feel some of that again. But I am glad for some of the results that have come out of it by the hand of my God in it, if that makes sense. And I can honestly offer thanksgiving and I can sing, I can talk about the glorious things he's done. For me, whether or not you struggle with God's part in it. God is always in it. Okay? So when I went through divorce, God was there. When I got married, God was there. When I wasn't even willing to ask him for permission, but told him this is my plan and would you endorse it, he was there. That doesn't necessarily mean he agreed, but he was there. As I went through it, God helped me to pick up the pieces. In fact, in all honesty, I really think looking back, God was picking up the pieces. I was in shell shock. And that's really what I think somebody feels when they first go into divorce or when they're alongside somebody going through divorce. Divorce shatters 
your identity. It just, it changes things. We need the next slide up there if you've got that. Divorce is the death of a relationship. Now, that person may not die, but the relationship is dead or forever changed for sure. It hurts big time. It severs the relationship. It, it breaks that tie that is there that God designed to be there. And there's something spiritual, emotional, sexual, physical, all of it, all of us, when we bond as a married couple, when we make that commitment and act on that commitment, God bonds us together in all those ways and more. And when you sever that, it's unnatural. It's not right. It's the reverse of what God's done. I can tell you, I still have feelings, thoughts about my ex-wife that I think I probably always will have. And that's something you carry, you know, being somebody who is blessed that God has brought into a new marriage relationship that is amazing. I still will carry some of those thoughts and feelings. There's no way around that. Now, it's not like it was maybe when we initially got married, Jen and I, and I felt it and thought it more. But I still carry some of those thoughts and feelings. They're there. It warps our self-identity. I totally believe this. When you go through something like that, it warps how you look at yourself. And you deal with questions that are ugly. And they leave us so open to Satan's attack. Because you face questions like, well, who am I now? I'm damaged. Am I, do I have any value? Am I worthwhile? Why am I here? What do I, where do I go from here? And when you deal with those questions in your mind and your heart, you're, you're so wide open for the evil one to get in there and say, yeah, you are damaged goods. You don't have anything to offer anymore. And it's real easy when we face those questions to then slide out of fellowship with other Christians and with churches as well because then we think, oh, I don't have anything to offer at a church. I can't go there. People are going to judge me. All they're going to see is Matt who went through divorce. And me being a pastor's son, oh, man, did that hit me. I got to go to church and people are going to know that I'm divorced. The big D word. It affects the other people around us too. My parents, oh, it hurt them. And I'm still seeing glimpses of that now, how hard it was for them to see me go through that and to walk alongside me in that. And to see how it affected my siblings and my brother who has gone through a divorce of his own now. And to see how he faced when divorce was on his doorstep. And then to walk alongside him with that. Oh, I don't know that I could have been there for him in the way that I was and have been had I not gone through it myself. So that's another thing to hang on to. If you've gone through divorce or somebody you know has gone through divorce or you've walked alongside them, somebody who has gone through divorce or the loss of a loved one or facing cancer or you name it, trauma, can help other people face that stuff like nobody else can, right? Have you had people come alongside you like that, that have, have been where you are? Now, it's a different thing when you say, oh, I know exactly what you feel. That's no good. You don't ever want to play that card because you never know exactly what somebody's going through. But when you have walked down the path they've, they're walking down, you can come alongside them and listen and be there for them like nobody else can. Could you throw Ezekiel on there for us? This is a beautiful chapter from Ezekiel, and, and you're going to, when we read it, you're going to wonder how this applies, but it'll make sense. Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 through 14, people know this passage is the valley of dry bones. The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all the way around and among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, Son of man, can these bones become living people again? O sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that question. And then he said to me, Speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, Dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message, and just as he told me, suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons, and then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them, no life. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. 
speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come, O breath from the four winds, breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. And then he said to me, son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying we have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Therefore, prophesy to them and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. O my people, I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. When this happens, O my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I'll put my spirit in you and you will live again and return home to your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. Do you see how that applies? God loves to restore people. He loves to make new stories in our lives. He loves to take busted up us, and if we're willing to let him, reshape us and tell something new the next day through how he, he reaches into our lives and restores us. He breathes life into us, like that passage said, just like he did in Genesis when he created man and woman. He breathed life into us. That's what brings us to life. And when you go through divorce, when you face the loss of maybe a child or a parent or a, a loved one, when you're facing something huge like cancer or some unexpected medical condition, you feel like life is gone, out of your control, like hope is just flown away. But God steps into those dry bones, that valley of dead bones, to his people Israel who had walked away from him and lost all hope and had given up. And he breathes new life and he heals and he makes them proud to be his people. Did you hear how many times in that passage he called them, oh my people? So when you go through divorce, when you go through trauma, remember, God calls you his own. No matter what you've done, no matter what's happening to you, God calls you his own. He doesn't abandon you. He walks through it with you. God loves to restore, and he does it in, in a number of ways, but I just want to talk about a couple of them here. Through him, we can have true forgiveness. That means he can truly forgive us for the parts that we do, and he can also help us to offer and get to the place of forgiving a spouse or an ex-wife or an ex-husband. That doesn't mean forgetting. God never asks for us to do that, thankfully. It doesn't mean agreeing that whatever they did was okay or right or good. It doesn't at all. God doesn't feel that way. But the mistakes that I've made and the mistakes that my ex made can be forgiven. Not forgotten, but forgiven. And, and that's terribly hard and takes a lot of time. And, and honestly, I think it's something you have to forgive over and over because it creeps back in and that, that anger or that hurt or that frustration creeps back in and you have to again say, God, help me, to, help me to let go. Yes, it was awful. Yes, there was wrong done. Help me to let go, God, and not carry it. Because that's really what it comes down to. We're choosing to carry it. Both the things that we did and messed up on and the shame tied into that, but also the things that our ex might have done or somebody else might have done to us. And forgiveness is tough, right? Have you felt the cost of forgiveness? Man, it's hard. In my life, I had to come to a place where I eventually had to help a, a buddy of mine as he was going through a divorce. And it took a lot of effort for me because... As I learned more of what had gone on in my first marriage, I had found out that he was actually one of the people that my wife had been unfaithful with. I found that out about a year before he went through a divorce. And I can remember sitting on the floor of his apartment as he's crying and falling apart. And all I could do right then, literally was to pray, God, help me. Just say something through me because I can't do this. And he did, but it was hard. Forgiveness is hard. True healing is hard, amen? 
If you've ever had a massive injury or a massive surgery, recovery, recuperation, all the, uh, what do they call that, the physical training and stuff you have to do to retrain your muscles and all that is hard. It takes a long time. And I think a lot of times something like divorce happens and we want to be okay right away. We want to bounce back because we don't want to hurt and we don't want to stay there. But healing is, is a long, hard road and there's no shortcuts to it. And new beginnings, God loves to give new beginnings. We can all praise God for that, right? Forgiveness and new life is something God loves to offer. One of the things that I struggled with was that I, uh, I wanted to be okay right away. I did not want to take the long road to healing. I didn't want to. We can go to the next slide, thanks. I didn't want to stay there. I wanted to move on right away. That's how I was going to combat how I had felt hurt and mistreated. And so rather than taking the time to actually feel it or walk through it or get help or counseling or talk about it much, I tried to avoid all those things. And I pushed ahead and I thought, I can do this. That kind of shows from my personality, kind of like when you saw that I had put together a plan and told God that's what I wanted to do. My plan here to heal was to just push through it and keep on moving. And so I got busy with different things. I tried to fill it up. And the truth is, is that it's taken years, um, years for me to get to the place where I really did deal with it. And uh, through the help of some friends that forced me to talk about it, and an amazing wife, Jennifer, who looked at me through it, not beyond it, and loved me and, and has been willing to, to walk through it with me, and then counseling as well. Um, I wasn't at a place when my divorce happened to deal with all that. I wasn't willing to. But I can tell you looking back that I wish I'd a, I would have taken that longer walk to healing then instead of putting it off for a while. Some of the things to avoid uh, with, when facing life trauma or divorce are bitterness and revenge. Have you seen people get extremely bitter and vengeful after a divorce? So easy to do, right? Because we've been hurt. And all of society would say, you have every right to be upset. I don't know if we have a right to anything. But it's understandable that we're upset and that we're hurt. But to go from upset and hurt to bitter and vengeful is an ugly turn, right? And I think one of the things we need to be careful for if we're going to help somebody else that's going through divorce, it can be real easy for us to come alongside somebody and think that we're helping them but actually enable their bitterness by either slamming their ex and saying, yeah, I saw this coming, they weren't right for you, blah, blah, blah. I remember some friends that sat down with me and said all that, and I'm like, this is helping how? <laughs> um, you didn't say any of this before we got married, but uh, so you can do that, and that leads towards bitterness, and you can also sit down with them and just have these huge pity parties where you're like, yeah, this does suck, this is awful. Neither one of those is the right way to go about it. We need to come alongside and offer hope, but we also need to come alongside and just be there with the person going through it. And a lot of times that means you're going to listen more than you talk. So don't feel like you have to give them the answer or the quick fix. There isn't one. Just be there with them. Come alongside somebody that's facing something huge, loss of a loved one, divorce, death of a child. Just sit in that sorrow with them and show them consistent love and support. The book of Job tells us all about that, right? We see how friends surrounded him and told him to curse God and die, how friends surrounded him and told him, oh, it's all your fault, you're sinful. Just come alongside and sit in the moment with them. Filling in the void is often what people do as well coming out of divorce. Uh, let me do anything I can to fill up that emptiness and that loneliness and to push aside those feelings of pain, whether that's drugs and alcohol, or getting just overly busy in life and doing 500,000 things, or becoming a workaholic all of a sudden, that was what I did. Um, maybe it's extreme sports or something, I don't know what it is, but when you jump to filling in the void instead of letting God fill that in over time, you're trying to take a shortcut and it's going to cost you in the long run. Jumping too quickly is another thing to avoid. Don't jump into another relationship like that. Oh, man. You, not only are you putting a hold on your recovery process, but you're carrying all of that into this new relationship. 
Whether or not it's the right relationship isn't the question. You're carrying all of that in. So we're going to talk at the end a little bit about how to know if you're ready to move on to another dating relationship. Um, But jumping too quickly, bad news, right? Everybody knows what a rebound looks like. Listening to the lies, and again, this refers back to when you're dealing with the questions of, do I have value? Who am I? Where do I go from here? The lies are when Satan creeps in and says, it is all your fault. It is all your fault. If only you had been more whatever, right? More attractive, more strong. If only you had been more caring. If only you had said a certain thing on a certain day. And then you go down this overanalyzing spiral that does nobody any good. You're not going to find one moment that caused your divorce. Nothing like that happens in one moment. And there's no divorce where it's all one person's fault. Now, I do think there are divorces where it's heavily weighted one way or the other sometimes. But you show me any relationship where everything is one person's fault. One of the things we need to start doing rather than those things, I don't know if I gave you a slide for this or not. If I did, throw What's the next slide? We'll just leave that one up there. Sounds good. One of the things to start doing is to start taking some time for yourself and not feeling guilty about it. Taking the time to heal and go through it. Another thing is to prioritize children. I am so thankful, and I praise my God often, that we did not have kids in my first marriage because that complicates things so much. And there you, do, you truly do have some innocent victims there, don't you? And I, working with teenagers for a number of years, I, I've seen the pain involved and, and the destruction that happens in the lives of the kids that watch a divorce happen and what it does to their self-esteem and their self-identity. The best thing you can do when you're going through a divorce and coming out of a divorce and healing is to show your kids stable love for them. Now, they're going to see you go up and down. Don't don't even try to hide that because, believe me, they're going to see it. But if you can show them that your love for them is stable and consistent and is over everything else, that will help them a ton, especially young kids. And start letting go of shame and embarrassment. So you're divorced. All right. Say it. Shout it out a couple times. I had to say it to myself. I had to say, I'm divorced. I'm Matt McConnell, and I'm divorced. I'm a pastor's son, and I'm divorced. I am divorced. Because to me, it felt like failure to even admit it. And there is some failure involved in that. But if you can let go of the shame and the embarrassment and the guilt that you shouldn't be caring about that, and let God remove that. Because we look at ourselves and we think, I'm divorced, everything's changed. God looks at us and he goes, yeah, you're going through divorce. I love you. His consistent love never changes, amen? And one of the best things that happened to me in counseling was when my counselor told me to rethink and walked me through and had me tell some of the hardest times where I felt most hurt or most alone as the divorce was happening. And to retell that, and then after I told it, she'd say, okay, now I want you to retell it again, and I want you to tell me what God is seeing and feeling, because he's right there with you in that moment. And I've always believed in God, but when she made me do that, and I saw, and I tried to look through God's eyes in some of those hurtful moments when I found out some of that stuff, It changed everything. Because now all of a sudden, if God's there with me, okay, he didn't abandon me. He didn't abandon you. He went through it with me. And if anybody wanted something different, he did. He didn't want it to go down the way it did. And he was there. So what did God see and feel when you were seeing and feeling and going through those things? You can bet he felt compassion, sadness, sorrow, care. He created you, right? It'd be like you're the parent watching your your child go through divorce. He's our parent, and he's walking alongside us in it. Man, that changed everything for me. Isaiah 43, 2 says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they won't sweep over the top of you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. 
such a promise to us, right? Now, if God asks us to deal with something like divorce, if he, if he in life walks through a divorce and the healing with us, he really walks through it with us. He is in it with us. Let's look at that next slide. He wants us to take the time, <laughs> circle that and put a star by it, to feel it and deal with it. And that's for divorce or trauma or any other thing. These are steps of dealing with grief or trauma that are taken from what's called the Kubler-Ross model. It's some psychologists that studied and spoke with many people going through loss and divorce and trauma. And this is what they came up with. I've altered it a little. So if you really know the five steps to grief, you're going to notice that this has my stamp on it a little bit. It's changed a little bit. But there's different steps involved in dealing with any trauma, and there's a downswing and there's an upswing. The first step is denial and shock. I can't believe this is happening. The grenade just went off. Stuff's flying around. Life is crumbled and shattered and changed. And at first, we initially go into shock. We, it's hard to accept. We don't want to accept it. I certainly denied it. I can't believe this is happening. I, I did everything I could for the first few weeks of that separation to try and piece things together, but believe me, it was already too late. But that's because I was in denial. And then there's anger. God, why? How could you? You love me, God. That's what the Bible says, and you're letting me go through this? I don't buy it. Right? It's hard. Bargaining with yourself, with God, with other people, manipulating life, that's, that's when you start, okay, I'm going to do this, this, and this, and that's going to take away the pain. Or I'm going to make a deal with God, and it's going to change things. Or I'm going to become this kind of a person so that I never get hurt again. Have you ever had that temptation? I'm going to be a hard person from now on, so I won't get hurt. And then finally, as you start really accepting what's going on, you, you fall into kind of a depression and loneliness. I'm alone in this, and it's not changing. And I don't know what to do, and I don't know what to say, and everything's different. What do I do now? That's when it really settles in. And I can remember one day running out into the field across from where I was living. It was the moment where I had had all I could handle and I went out into this field, and I fell down on my knees, and I screamed at God. And I'll be honest with you, I screamed some stuff that I would not even say in public, and screamed it at my God. And he was big enough to hear all of that. And I knelt there, and I screamed at him, and I, I literally yelled until I couldn't scream anymore and had no more words to say. And I, I, man, I'll never forget it. I've only heard God audibly one time, and it was here. The only thing I heard was, and it was like a whisper, I'm here. And that was it. I, believe me, I wanted more than that. I wanted him to either take the blame and be like, yep, I, I messed up, but I'll make everything right. Or I wanted him to swoop in and change it and, and bring my ex back to a place where she wanted to renew the marriage. But all he said was, I'm here. And at that point, I, I sat there. I'm like, come on. So, you know. And nothing more came. And so then I got up and, and I went to sleep that night. And to be honest, the fact that he's here and he was there was all I needed. I just didn't know that. And he proved it over time that he was there. And he helped me pick up pieces here and there. He brought me into good relationships he had good friends come alongside me. He gave me forward motion. And all the things that I thought I'd lost, this life that I had put together and had crumbled, he gave me far better than what I had ever had planned. The upswing is when you start accepting that God's there with you and kind of reconstructing or evolving. Well, I know we don't like the word evolution in church much, but... He evolved me. He transformed me. He worked on me and changed me around. I'm forever changed by it, but that doesn't mean that I'm weaker now than I was. I'm probably stronger now than I was because I know how weak I am. Does that make sense? <laughs> and then he moves us into a place of accepting and seeing that there really is hope. And I can remember reaching a place over time 
where I felt like there was hope. Whether or not I'd ever be married again, that was a whole other ball game or, or anything like that. But I felt hoping that I could be who I was, who I am now, and still have something to offer, not only in this world, but to my God too. And that was tremendous to me. And the church that I was attending at the time, they, they showed me that so well. And I can't thank them enough. So we can do that for each other in a big way. When somebody is struggling with divorce or trauma in our body, we need to show them that we love them and there's a place for them here. And not only that, that we don't see them as damaged goods with, with less value. We see them as damaged goods like we're all damaged. And we have something to offer each other. That's how we need to look at each other. Could you throw the next slide up, please? Looking through God's eyes. I talked about that earlier. God was there with you. Think back on the hardest times. He was there. What did he feel? Desire or hope? How does God see you now? That's where we want to go. God is here now with you. Everybody say that out loud. God is here here. now with you. Okay, now say it personally. Say, God is here now with me. Just say it. Okay, that's a great thing to say and remember in any circumstance. So hang on to that one. That's gold, man. The Bible, the Bible teaches us that. Next slide, please. To accept it and move through the fear of the next day, we have to take on the forgiveness that God offers for everything that we did wrong, because we did wrong. We got to take God's love and approval, which he offers alongside forgiveness, and we have to take the help and support of others. Which sometimes it's hard. We want to we wanna isolate ourselves because we feel damaged or ugly. But people want to help and people can help. So we need to allow some of that. And then start moving onward. Next slide. Please stop believing that you are, are damaged and that makes you less valuable. Or that there's some ugly stigma. Or like you're walking around and people see this black cloud of divorce around your head before they even meet you. It's not true. And believe me, if we all just right now took our hearts out and our mind and exposed it and showed everybody the ugliness in our lives, we would all have stigma around our heads, okay? It's not just divorce. So please stop believing that you have less value. Please stop thinking that you have to handle it on your own. And please stop thinking that you have to stop feeling hurt or stop feeling pain when you think about your your previous marriage relationship in order to be okay. Those feelings are going to come up for years, and that's okay. You lost something real. Please start believing what God says when he says, I'm with you, and and when he says that I love you, and when he says that you're my people, and I've adopted you as my child. Please start believing that he forgives you and loves you and wants to walk along with you. All right, next slide. Helping others cope with divorce and trauma. This is where you guys get to interact a little bit. How can we help others going through this kind of thing, divorce, uh, loss of a child, whatever? How should we come alongside people and how shouldn't we? I'm looking for you guys to actually come up with some of the ideas. Listen. Listen Listen more than we speak, for sure. What else? Don't pity? I like that. Join them in the sorrow, but don't pity. Don't treat somebody like, oh, poor you. But come alongside them and go, man. This is hard, huh? I love you. And then I heard something good over here. What was it? Oh, I know just how you feel. And then what happens when anybody says, I know how you feel? They stop listening and they start telling a story. Not real helpful always. What else? What else should we do, shouldn't we do? Don't slam the other person. It's so ugly when we do that. Oh, yeah, I'm sure that's going to help somebody heal. Let's rally against the other person involved. That doesn't help anybody. Did you hear that? So true. When somebody else is having to go through healing, don't try to take the steps for them. And, and not only that, don't try to push them through the steps before they're ready. Just be alongside them in whatever step they're at. Another thing is please do connect, especially with divorce or like loss of a child or something like that. A lot of times we're not sure how to help somebody, so we step back too far. Does that make sense? Because we're not sure, well, I don't know what to say or do. 
The fact that you'll say or do anything is a good place to start. So do connect, do reach out, do pray, do invite them over for a meal or take them out to do something, not to fill in the void. Don't try to keep them so busy with coming over and hanging with your family that they don't feel it, but do give them some opportunities to interact with other people because believe me, you feel really, really unplugged and, and lonely when you're dealing with either divorce or the loss of a child or something that huge. Any other suggestions? I don't want to cut it off because you guys are coming up with great ones. Do or don't. Yeah, Carson. Yeah, right? Be their cheerleader. Yeah, you can do this. You can do this. And try to avoid some of those really trite sayings. You don't want to, well, when God closes the door. That's so true, but don't say that. Please don't say that. All things happen for a reason. Oh, <laughs> all the reasons I could come up with right now suck. So if, it, yeah, no, don't, don't do that. No, that doesn't mean it's not true, but don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Do give them time to be sad and grieve. Don't enable. Yeah. What's that? I'm sorry, I totally didn't hear that. Go. <laughs> that should have been our first point, right? That's fantastic. Bring Jesus in. <laughs> if anybody can help us heal from something like that, it's God, right? And you're so right. A lot of people that we come in contact with won't have that relationship with God or they know of God but have never trusted God. And when you can bring Jesus in, and not in the trite way as we just talked about, but when you can really show that you trust God through the hard stuff, that's huge. Anybody else? Weep with them. You bet. You bet. Not forever, but for a while. Next slide, please. Today and tomorrow, remember what has happened. Refocus and move forward in life with faith, hope, and purpose. It's real easy as Christians especially to want to accept forgiveness and then take that section of our life and put it aside. I don't want to remember that divorce anymore, what that felt like. I'm going to bottle it up and box it away. And what happens when we do that with anything in life? It comes back out one way or another. Yeah. And if you were to ask my wife, Jennifer, we've had great conversations, yearly at least, about how sometimes it creeps back in. And I've had to deal with fear. I've had to deal with fear in my relationship with Jennifer. She's amazing. But I can tell you, and I want to confess to you, that in all honesty, there are times where I don't see Jen and what she's really doing. I see Jen through the eyes of what has happened in the past, and I overlay that on her. Does that make sense? And that when and if you do end up in another relationship or even in your friendship relationships, don't do that. And it takes a lot of hard work not to. Dating again, I get asked this a lot of times because I'm somebody who's gone through divorce. How do you know when you're ready to date again? <sighs> I don't know. I'd love to say it takes this many years, this many months, and then a green light will pop in above your head and you'll go, okay, God, I can go. Um, Quite honestly, Jennifer and I started dating before a lot of people would have said I was probably ready for it. I don't know. But I will tell you that there, there are some good things to ask yourself prior to starting to really date or have relationships. One, do I love myself? I know that sounds corny, and, but do, do I accept and love who I am in God's eyes? How much have I grown? Have I grown following this experience? Have you forgiven your ex? Remember, you don't have to forget. And forgiven yourself. Do you know what kind of person you want to date? <laughs> this is where something you can do very analytical. Get, get a sheet of paper and write down a list of characteristics of the ideal person you would want to date and you feel like God would want you to date. That can be really helpful. That's something we do once a year at least in youth group is, is play a game and it's coming up, guys, so be watching where you have to come up with a list of the, the characteristics you want. 
Are you dating for the right reasons? Woo, that's a big question. Am I dating because I'm ready or am I dating because I want to fill that hole? And do you find your value in God or in other people more often? Because when you go through divorce, all of a sudden, it's almost like going back to junior high. And if you remember those days where you're always spending so much time thinking about what everybody else thinks about you. When you go through divorce, you do a little bit of that. At least I did. If you're still bitter or angry at yourself or God, you're probably not ready yet. Let's just say that. But then again, God can work a miracle. So I'm not going to say that it can't happen. But maybe. I think the, the bottom line is, eventually we want to be able to say something like this. Divorce is not who I am. It's something that happened in my life. It isn't my identity, but it has shaped part of who I am. God hates divorce and the pain that it causes, but he deeply loves divorced people and wants to walk with them daily. And to me, that's where I'm at. I'm somebody who's been divorced, and I'm working as a pastor at a church, which you don't see all that often. Uh, I'm somebody who's been divorced and, and served as a deacon at a church, I think it was maybe a year after I went through the divorce. And that church that, that assigned me that role, that approved and, and decided they wanted me as a leader at that church, showed me value and acceptance, even though I was somebody who was divorced. And so that was huge. So we as a body need to think about how we can care for each other when we're facing trauma, right? And there's trauma like the flooding of houses, which believe me, I'm so thankful I didn't go through. And my wife and I have prayed for you guys. And there's trauma of death and loss and unanswered medical needs and and divorce, and abuse, and just awful, hard things. But the difference is, is that God is here now with me. And if we can remember that ourselves, no matter what we face, and promote that with others, no matter what they're facing, as we walk alongside them, it's going to make all the difference. Do we agree on that? Amen. God, we love you and just thank you for speaking to us this morning and, and to try and tackle a, a topic like this in one session is <laughs> unbelievable, God. But I know, that, I know that you are good. And God, personally in my life, you know that I cannot thank you enough for how you've shown me love and healing, how you've walked through the tough stuff with me, and God, I pray that you would help us all to be more prepared to come alongside each other. Not more prepared with tons of answers, but more prepared with just knowing that we can come alongside as a representative of you who's always there. And we can be like that. We can be stability. We can be encouragement. We can be a listening ear. And we can point towards you, God. Amen. Amen.